Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, a podcast that takes just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Primack. On today's show, how SpaceX could help Elon Musk buy Tesla, and a very big week coming for the trade wars. But first, the end of privacy, or uh, let me rephrase, the end of caring about privacy. The U.S. Census Bureau this morning released new data showing that Americans in 2017 were less concerned about online privacy and security risks than they were in 2015. It is a remarkable finding given all the big hacks of personal information that occurred during that time, like that one of all the Yahoo email users or the enormous one of Equifax, which has personal credit histories on just about all of us. So what's happening here? Why are we becoming less concerned about a growing threat? The answer may be that we're simply becoming numb to these data breaches. It's not that we don't care, but more that it's become kind of an accepted risk and accepted part of life, kind of like how we all know about car crashes, but still drive. There was a time not that long ago where Americans were very hesitant to put any of their information online, but that's become extremely hard to do today in an age of Amazon and Uber and online banking. And as the Equifax hack shows, it might be someone else putting your data at risk. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper on this with Axios Managing Editor Kim Hart, who wrote about the new Census Bureau findings today. But first, this. There is more news out there than ever before, but these days, it's harder than ever to find it and to know what to trust. Axios AM takes the effort out of getting smart by synthesizing the 10 stories that will drive the day and telling you why they matter. Subscribe at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the Pro Rata Podcast. We're joined by Axios Managing Editor Kim Hart, who today wrote about the new Census Bureau findings. So, Kim, businesses are spending billions of dollars on cybersecurity for themselves, for their customers. But is the real takeaway here that we as a society just don't expect it's going to work? I think the takeaway here is that consumers are actually baking in some of that risk in their calculations when they're using online services. It's become something that they can't avoid. You can't really be in modern day life without using Google Maps, without using email, without using online transactions and online baking and social media. So I think people have just kind of said, well, it's what I have to do for my job, for my social life, for my family, for my friends. And there might be some risks that go along with that. And I'm willing to take those risks because there's really no choice. Historically, and this isn't what the Census Bureau found because they didn't ask, but it doesn't appear that companies that do get hacked really have a huge business impact from that. In other words, if the service is popular, people seem to continue using the service, even Equifax, which we don't buy, you know, as consumers, they didn't lose their customers. Right. And I think that all comes down to the lack of tangible impact that consumers are seeing. Someone likened this to me with the difference between what you see with a data spill with what you see with with, say, an oil spill. So if there is a big oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico and you see pictures on the media of birds and animals covered with oil, you're going to say, wow, there's a huge impact from that oil spill. I need to do something about that. We need to do something about that as a society, as a country, and do better. But when your data is spilled or leaked or hacked or stolen, it's something that inherently you know in the back of your head is bad and probably isn't going to do great things for your credit rating maybe or that means that your likelihood of identity theft might go up, but you don't actually see it. It's something 
something that you never really see what happens with that data. And some people don't ever really know whether they were the victims of a data breach in the beginning. So I think it's really more of a difference between what is tangible and what is not for consumers. And that's driving this kind of like lackadaisical attitude about it. So take your oil spill analogy. If you are the bird, right, the bird sure as hell knows it. And this is true, obviously, on the data breach side, too, because and correct me if I'm wrong. One of the things that the census found was that if you are the victim of a security breach, a known victim, in other words, you've, say, had your identity stolen, you then are more likely to be more concerned about this stuff. It does have an impact. That's right. So if you find out that you actually were, in fact, a victim of a data breach and you actually saw the impact of that, whether it is someone took over your credit card, you saw your credit score dramatically drop, you saw like a ton of unauthorized charges. However, a lot of times that can be reversed. So the credit card company will refund the money or you can find a way to rectify it, even if it might take some time. And I think it sounds like from what the researchers were finding is that the farther away you are from being the victim of an incident, the more out of sight, out of mind it becomes. And so one of the things that they found was the timing of the two surveys that they did could make a difference. In 2015, the survey started two weeks after the big OPM data breach. OPM, that's the federal employees breach. Yep. The Office of Personnel Management that they announced that they had been the victims of a huge attack that released, exposed at least, the data of a lot of federal employees, and not only in federal employees, but people that they listed as their spouses and connections and so on. Yep, that one hit my family. I remember that one. Yep, mine too. And so a lot of people were skittish around that time because they had just found out that this had happened and they were, the OPM was actually pretty good at notifying who had been victimized by that breach. However, in 2017, there were still a lot of hacks going on and breaches, but in 2017, it was a couple of months after the Experian breach and it was a few months before the big Facebook Cambridge Analytica scandal. So it wasn't that breaches weren't happening, but they were a little further away and a little out of sight, out of mind, I guess, if you want it, so to speak, for these consumers when they actually took the survey. So that could have had an impact. The Facebook one's interesting. It would be interesting to see how these numbers, as you say, would change on timing. Kim, let me ask a broader thing, which is this concept of numbing, that we've become numb to call it to threats, right? So I was having a conversation with one of our colleagues the other day on something totally unrelated, which was about markets. And, and she said something along the lines to me of, why does it seem to be that when there's these huge economic things. We were talking Turkey specifically. The markets seem to have a brief hiccup and then they go about their days like it didn't actually happen. Is this almost kind of Trump effect in that whereas we used to pay a lot of attention to an anomaly, to a major event, whether it be something the president said or a hack, nowadays we just kind of take these things in stride because there seem to be so many of them and we no longer give them the attention that we used to think they deserve. I think you're right. I think we are somewhat desensitized to some of these big events that in in a previous era, even maybe a couple of years ago, would have taken a lot more of our mind share and our outrage, if you will. I actually talked to Joe Uchel, our cybersecurity reporter here at Axios, and he said there's actually a term for this in the security world. It's called breach fatigue or security fatigue because there are so many breaches, so many hacks, and there are so many more people covering them now than there were even a few years ago that people are just being bombarded with news of this that are more and more dangerous and seeming to be more impactful. Yet, they don't really know what to do about it and they don't know what, if anything, they should do, even if they are a victim. And so they keep on kind of going day to day along with their lives and there's not much more that they can do. So breach fatigue, which I guess is good for hackers, bad for the rest of us. Thank you to Kim Hart, managing editor of Axios. My final two on the latest with Tesla and trade wars after this. Axios gives you the news and analysis you need to get smarter faster on the most important topics. In our unique smart brevity format, we cover topics from politics to science and media to tech 
Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now back to the Pro Rata Podcast. Now it's time for my final two, and we lead off with Elon Musk's ongoing and troubled attempts to buy electric car maker Tesla. By now, you've probably read or at least heard about Musk's interview last Friday in The New York Times, where he seemed to really, really, really need a vacation. But part of the piece that's gotten less attention was a reporter note about how one of Musk's other companies, SpaceX, could help him buy Tesla. But there wasn't a lot of information there, so I called up some of the shareholders in SpaceX, which is still private, and they all expressed what I can only explain as a bit of horror at the idea of their company, which is profitable with a deep management bench, helping to buy up an unprofitable company whose CEO seems to feel the need to live on the factory floor. But they also said they could see it working in the sense of Musk basically pledging his shares in SpaceX to finance the buyout, which could be what the Times and its sources were getting at. So based on some back-of-the-envelope math, if Musk pledged his shares, it could give him around $10 billion or so, which would go a long way toward what he needs to take Tesla private, particularly if its share price keeps falling. And finally, this is going to be a big week in the trade wars as the Office of U.S. Trade Representative kicks off public hearings on President Trump's proposed $200 billion in tariffs on Chinese goods. Expect a lot of pushback here, particularly from U.S. companies and consumer advocates. The companies, because this could raise their costs, and the consumer advocates, because they believe those costs are going to be passed on to everyone who buys, as Reuters put it, items from cradles to coffins. The bottom line here is we have had a lot of trade skirmishes so far, including with China. But this $200 billion threat is where the real war could be launched. And we're done. Big thanks for listening, whether on Apple, Spotify, or other platforms. And to producers Adam Gracia and Tim Shovers, be sure to follow us all day at Axios.com and sign up for my pro rata newsletter at signup.axios.com. Have a great national radio day, and we'll be back tomorrow with another pro rata podcast.